jasoncharles.net. Deep talk, deep sounds. And now, cover girl. This is Under the Covers with Claire Connors on jasoncharles.net. Hello, and welcome to Under the Covers with Claire Connors, that's me, on jasoncharles.net, a monthly podcast about the magazine industry. Today, we're talking with fashion stylist to the stars, Michelle McCool. Besides having the most awesome name ever, Michelle is a publishing industry vet, having worked as a fashion director and editor for the biggest and most glamorous magazines ever. She's literally traveled the world styling fashion shoots and top models and celebrities, including Lady Gaga, Dakota Fanning, Adele, Cameron Diaz, and Beyonce. I could go on and on with all of the fabulous women that she has had the pleasure of working with. Um, I had the pleasure of working with Michelle at Shape Magazine, um, shooting amazing women like Naomi Campbell, Sharon Stone, Lauren Cohan, Jamie Alexander, and Kate Beckinsale. And today we're going to talk about all of this, plus her fabulous four-year-old company, McCoolStyle.com. So much to talk about with that. This was her moment to pivot uh, when the magazine industry was starting to lose its steam. And Michelle very smartly went into promoting herself through her own company. And it's really awesome. So I, we have a lot to talk about. I'm very excited to say hello to Michelle McCool. How are you today? Hi, Claire. So good to talk to you today. How much fun is this? I I've been know. waiting to talk to you forever. <laughs> I know. I miss you. We have, I miss you too. We had some great times together. <laughs> we really did. I was, I was looking back. I think, it was, I think it was four years ago that I left Shape. When was the last time that you worked for a while with Shape after I had left, right? I did. Shape was so nice to me because after Cosmo, they kind of became my, my cover. I was their cover stylist. Uh, so that was a great team and I enjoyed working with them and I just kept a toe in freelance styling while I was starting my company. So it was kind of a great transition for me. It really was. I, it was. And I know I looked at, I saw some other covers that you had done with them, uh, working with the great Tony Paciello, the photo director there. She was such a, a force um, for those uh, cover shoots. Yes. And she's still there and doing better than ever. They have a new creative director and new photographers. And I think she's just doing an amazing job. I agree. We're big fans of Tony's. So let's, let's get into your background. Um, you wrote and said that you were born in San Francisco and raised in Miami. Yes. I was, my family moved from California to Miami when I was six uh -huh. and my mom is Colombian. So she wanted to be closer to her family. And we just had, I have three sisters. Oh, wow. So we grew up in a town called Miami Shores and we just had a very lively, very female-centered household. <laughs> I've seen fabulous photos of you guys down there. It looks like it almost looks um, like your cute, like a Cuban existence. It's, it seems really earthy and yes, fun. Yes, very tropical, very sunny. You know, I used to my school would end at two ten, so we used to just drive to the beach uh, right after school. So it, it was it was a really fun time. You know, um, the, that's one connection. I grew up, um, part of my upbringing was in Miami as well. My dad worked for the Miami Herald oh. and we would go to Coconut Grove and I have pictures of me holding coconuts and, you know, and being a little toe-headed kid on the beach in, in Florida. It's such a, it was such a great place to grow up, I think, as a child. Yeah, it, it was, it really changed when I was coming of age. So when I was a teenager, it's when like, Herb Ritz was shooting down there and the Versace campaigns. Oh, no kidding. And I was going out to clubs because my sisters were uh, five years older than me. So I had fake ID when I was 15. So I used <laughs> to go to the clubs on South Beach. I would see Kristen McMenemy at the clubs. I would see Kate Moss at the clubs. Now, Kate Moss and I are the, are the same age. So I, you know, we used to kind of sneak in with my friends who didn't have ID. And I just saw this other world. And it was the world of fashion shoots going on on the corner of Ocean Drive. And I remember seeing Claudia Schiffer 
in the doorway of the Colony Hotel. And I was like, wow, this is so glamorous. And I think, like, I think now in hindsight that that was one of the first sparks that, that made me interested in being a stylist. Now, I didn't know that you could be a stylist until I was 22, but <laughs> when I was 15, I certainly saw the lifestyle and, uh, and the magic, and I just thought it was so cool. Were you, um, did you was your family, I, you, you told me that your, your mother, was your mother Mama Juanita or was your grandmother Mama Juanita? My grandma. My That's what grandmother I was, was Mama, Mama Juanita, okay. and she um, lived to 102. No. Kidding. Yeah, yeah. And um, she was just this amazing Latina uh, female entrepreneur. And she wanted a better life for her family. Um, she married my grandfather, who is much older than her. And she started selling fabric out of her house. And then little by little, she developed a business, very personal business. Uh, this is when people made dresses on their own, you know, through um, patterns. Oh, sure. So she had the best fabric in town and she would get it from Panama. So she'd have to like go from a boat from Cartagena, which is on one side of the Caribbean to Panama and back to buy the fabric. So little by little, she built up. Then she was able to get a store in downtown Cartagena and it was called Bazaar Cecilia, which is my mom's name. Oh. And she was like, the Doña, they'd be like, is Doña Juanita here? And if she wasn't there to serve the ladies, they'd be like, oh, no, 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 I'll come back, I'll come back, because she was so good with the customers. I mean, my mom was like, she was amazing. She just knew what to tell them. She told them the truth, and they, they relied on her expertise. That's amazing. What a great story. You, you, you have the, the roots already built in, in terms of fashion and vision and, and beauty. And the customer service level, which is what I never used before. I started with cool <laughs> style. So it kind of all comes together. It's, that is you know, lovely. It's such a full circle. I love it. Were you, did your parents, uh, or did your mom have fashion magazines in the house? Did you get to look at, did you have a visual of, um, of what you might end up doing? Uh, no, my mom didn't. It's so funny. My mom, she's so, she's like, no, pero I hate to read. <laughs> <laughs> She much prefers listening to classical music. No, but uh, Elle magazine came out in 1986. So I was about okay. 10 years old. And when that came on the newsstand, I thought, you know, I saw it at the supermarket, I guess, was the first place I saw it. And I, it, it was a combination of the travel, the models hitting, the supermodels were hitting at the time. You know, the 80s was very much about the 50s fashion. So it was like kind of these bright pink lip covers and... Um, great graphics and Al McPherson and oh. it just it, I just loved it I just loved it and and I would put it in the shopping cart and then just devour the L magazines and then so you discovered it on your own oh yeah oh yeah yeah that did you ever get to um style uh, or work with Al McPherson no oh see I was hoping you had another full circle <laughs> I didn't, but I did shoot at her house in Harbor Island. No kidding. Yes, in uh, the Bahamas. Wow. Um, so uh, another cover that you mentioned, and this this you came out later, is the the famous um, um, initial cover that Anna Wintour did for Vogue. Why did you love that cover so much? Well, I remember I used to get Vogue as well, uh, and I remember the difference between when Grace Mirabella used to mm -hmm. edit it um, which was more geared towards the older kind of that whole Lisa Taylor, you know, camel colored working woman's kind of look. And then when Anna Winter came, I remember the cover was, I think it was a LaCroix sweatshirt. It had a big cross on it and it was styled by Carlene Cerf, who I worked with years later, actually. Oh, wow. And then she put it with blue jeans and I thought, oh my gosh, that's what I'm dressing like right now. You know, yeah. I had like my Fiorucci jeans or whatever fancy jean I could afford, which was probably only one. Uh, and we used to put them with our Benetton sweatshirts. So I was thinking, wow, she kind of looks like me. Uh, it, was a, it was a total, total revelation. I, f I think that's actually something about the covers that people, that draws them to them. My, my cover girl when I was in high school was Sybil Shepherd because I kind of looked like her. I had blonde hair and, yep, yep. you know, and that all American girl kind of look, you know, but as you grow up, as you mature and your um, vision gets a little bit more 
um, clear. Um, I think you see a cover like that and it can be kind of life changing. It makes you think, oh, I found my tribe, whatever it is. Exactly. And, and that's what we always try to do at Cosmo. We always, you know, one of the ways that I style and I still do now, I always say, would I want to be the girl in the picture? You know, when I'm behind the camera with the photographer, I look and I say, do I want to be her? Sometimes I've, I've had I've had editors that expected the magazine to be them. It's like, well, the, I don't relate to this, so I can't make this. I'm the reader. Yeah. And some and, and you, you don't you don't have to be the reader as long as you listen. We're smart women. As long as we can put ourselves in that persona. Yeah. Use your imagination. Exactly. And aspiration. All right. So let's talk about your first job and how did you get it and um what did it feel like when you walked in the door of your first publishing job well i was someone who wanted to be wanted to work at magazines since i was in high school and i wanted to go to parsons and my parents were like no you're too smart nothing mm -hmm. against parsons but you know <laughs> they wanted me to have a more rounded education <laughs> which i got so i went to wesleyan four years in connecticut was close enough to New York that I could dabble in the New York scene, which I was very happy about. And I interviewed at Condé Nast senior year of college. Okay. So I remember because I know I had nothing to wear. I had no clothes. I mean, back then we didn't even have a TV at Wesleyan. I mean, we were like, you know, nerdy intellectual people. So I, I don't know what I pieced together. My sister sent me something. I remember I bought a pair of shoes at Tootsie Plowhound. Do you remember that story? Oh, I remember. Yes. <laughs> I don't even know where I got the money. I probably saved up all my allowance. So I bought these shoes and I thought, okay, well, at least if I have a shoe, I can walk in there. So I walk in and I met with this HR woman who was there for so many years. She ruled the roost. So this is the late nineties and I go in there and, you know, I'm just so excited just to have the opportunity. And she was like, well, do you want to write or do you want to style? And I thought, well, I'm a, I think I'm a good writer. I mean, I just come from college. I wrote a lot of papers. Um, and I didn't know what styling was. So I said, well, I would be interested in either. She's like, mm, well, you really have to know. Do you want to be a writer or do you want to be a stylist in the fashion department? And I just didn't know. <laughs> and I was so honest back then. I couldn't just make it up, you know? So she's like, I don't think it's going to work out. Aww. So yeah, she broke my heart that day. Um, but you know, it was great. It was great when I got my own job at Condé Nast, no thanks to her. And I was like, yeah, honey, can you get my paperwork done? Thanks a lot. <laughs> Touche. You know what? I, I think a lot of people that listen to this podcast know that experience. I had, when I went in for my first interview at Condé Nast, I was told the same thing. I wanted, I was a stylist and I was a writer and I had been styling and doing clothing design and stuff like that. And they, I, I was made very clear that you had one choice or the other. There was no combining. And I guess that's good advice, but it's so you know, it really stunts you if you're not allowed to try and do, you know, what you're good at. I don't know. I, I that was a heartbreaking moment for me too. And I didn't get my first job either at Condé Nast. Yeah. And, and I feel like when I mentor young women, I always say, I say, don't overthink it. Just yeah. get a job, get your foot in the door and you'll gravitate towards what you like. So it's true. So, so the first job I did get was at an art gallery in Soho called Ronald Feldman Fine Arts and they were wonderful. They had amazing artists and, you know, I, I loved working that world, but I told them when I got there, uh, Mrs. Feldman ran the, the kind of, you know, people that work there. And I told her, I said, I'm only going to be here for six months because I'm going to get a job in magazines. <laughs> and the, I mean, I can only imagine what she thought. But <laughs> so I just networked my way. I found anyone that would listen. And there was a girl I went to college with whose mom used to work in the marketing department at L. And she said, go see my mom. Okay. She lives on West End Avenue. I was living on the Upper West Side at the time. And I, I remember because I brought her mom flowers and we sat and she's like, oh, honey, what do you want to do? And I was like, I really want to work at L. It's my dream. You know, any magazine. She's like, oh, well, let me call and see if I know anyone that still works there. And I was hired to be an assistant in the advertising and marketing department. Now. What I also didn't know was that this was the business side. This is who sells the ads. It's all about the commerce. So I was typing letters all day to jewelry and uh, beauty clients. 
So I thought, gosh, this is kind of boring. And, and I'd heard, <laughs> <laughs> but I was on the L floor. You know, we, we shared a floor. We were at um, Hachette Filipaki, which was on Broadway and 50th. And we were on the 44th floor. I remember it, yeah. So I'm just there working away. And I hear that there's a job opening in the fashion closet. Now, the closet girl is what we used to call ourselves. I love it. It's the girl or boy, but it was only girls back then, who kind of tallied everything that came in. We'd get cardains from Europe and we'd have to open the boxes and make sure everything was correct on the invoices and things like that. Basically keeping the closet organized. And so I interviewed for that job. Now I went in the fashion closet and we all, used, everyone used to smoke cigarettes back then inside um, building. In the closet? In, oh yeah. And the L fashion closet was quite big and it was full of racks and the carpet, it had an ugly office carpet and there was a big sofa in there. And there was a coffee table right in front and it was overflowing with ashtrays. I don't know why they never got rid of the ashtrays. So I went in there and I was like, wow, this is so cool. This this looks like fun. (laughs) So I interviewed without telling my bosses. I'd only been there six months and my bosses fired me like a day later. And they said, you know what? Your heart's just not in this position and you're not very fast at typing. So we're going to have to let you go. (laughs) Wow. So that was my second heartbreak in working all all of the same year. Did you end up getting back in with the L? How did, what was the end result? Uh, no, no, I never worked at L again. That was, but I had met a really great group of people. This is something about the magazine industry. It was like a funnel for all the women that had the same interests that you have. Mm-hmm. So people that are interested in art, interested in culture, yeah. um, you know, we we're all going to the clubs at the same time. We were into fashion, but fashion was almost secondary. You know, it was, is the concerts, just the whole New York life um, in the 90s and 2000s and, and on. So I met the most amazing group of, of women, um, you included, Claire. And uh, <laughs> they suggested me for the next job, you know, and that's kind of how it worked. So where was your first, I mean, we can jump ahead a little bit. What, what was your first magazine where you actually got to style? Allure. Ah. Yep. So I worked with Polly Mellon. She was my boss. Yep. And I had just watched Isaac Mizrahi's movie Unzipped. And Polly was in that. It was a great, if anyone hasn't seen it, they should go see it right now if you're a lover of fashion. Great doc. Um, And I was just so enamored by her. And I, I, you know, I thought she was amazing. I studied so much about her career. She had worked at Vogue under Deanna Breland, of course. And she was just still working. She was 74 when I worked for her. She'd still be working now. I know. I really think she would. I know. And she's still, she's still alive. She's still alive. Yeah. 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 But she must be like a hundred at this point. She's very old. Yeah. I I actually need to check in and see how she's doing. But, um, you know, working with her was an amazing experience for the eye, you know, how to see the garment on the model. Um, she used to have, we traveled in our kit with binoculars. So, so many times she'd be like, get me the binox, the binox, the binox. Because even though we would be in a studio, I also got to work with Dick Avedon. I got to work with Helmut Newton. I mean, and this is right before these guys passed. I mean, this was an incredible time. And, and you know, I was 22 years old. Um, so she'd get the binoculars and then she would just look like, like an eagle eagle eye looking for any kind of any little um, thread we had to take off or any place in which the pinning wasn't hanging properly. Uh, she was a real perfectionist. Wow. And, and I, I think about her every time I pin because when she was older, her hands would get like gnarled and I, I would help her pin and she was very particular. She was also very mean. So. <laughs> See, this is what I was going to say. We, we, are, we will be talking about mentoring people, how important that is. And um, you mentioned that you really never had someone to mentor you. And I didn't know you worked with Polly, but she's not known for mentoring. <laughs> no, no. She was just from the old school. Yeah. It, was, it was not, we were, we were servants. Right. We were uh, to be seen and not heard. Mm-hmm. She, I remember we were in Jamaica once and we were shooting a story. Uh, we were at Noel Coward's house, which was gorgeous. And the, it was a kind of a youngish photographer at the time. Tom Monroe is his name. And he said, 
Polly, I'm not going to shoot anymore until you stop yelling at Michelle. Because it was creating the worst vibe on the set. She kept yelling at me. And of course, I wouldn't cry in front of anybody. But at night, I would go into my room, maybe with a hairdresser, you know how it is, someone. And I would just be like, you know. Oh, Michelle, I can't believe you didn't just walk off, walk away. Like that would be, no, you because must have really we were, loved what you were doing. It wasn't, I was so lucky to have the job. Right. You know, it, yeah. it was a different mentality also um, than people that work now. And I actually think the young people, the millennials, and they're just so much smarter than, than I ever was. You know, they, they stick up for themselves and. They're more self-assured. We were raised in this everyone else had huge egos and we weren't allowed to have huge egos. We had to, we had to tamp down and stay in line and, you know, do their bidding. Yeah. Yeah. It was, even, it was even as an editor, it was the same thing. Yes. And there was infighting and, and, you know, we used to have to, so after when, when you do a run through, it is when you show your editor in chief, the clothing you're going to take on the trip or the clothing you're going to use for the cover. So mm-hmm. everything's about getting the run through ready. And there's about a team of, this was at um, Allure. There was a team of about, we didn't have a huge fashion department. It was, it was kind of a starting magazine, but there were about five or six or seven people. <laughs> and so it was all hands on deck. We had to have like a hundred pairs of shoes. Oh. Um, and, you know, all the looks had to be in and they had to be full looks. Now, if God forbid, Comme de Garçon didn't send, you know, the belt that went with the look, then it was like, you know, chaos and disaster. You know, it. <laughs> it was disaster, disaster. So after the editor in chief approve would approve the rail, the rack. And that was Linda. We, that was, was Linda that? Wells. Yep. Yeah. Linda Wells. Then we would throw a white sheet over the rack to make sure that none of the other editors, none of the other stylists that would be coming in the office would see any of our clothes because we didn't want anyone to steal off our rack. Right. Between the time it got approved to the time we packed it for the trip or for the photo shoot. So it, it was, it was a dog eat dog world. <laughs> no kidding. It was, we talked about this earlier. It's like fashion magazines. It was hard to work for them. They were, everyone was mean. <laughs> Just wasn't yeah. Well, the fun- call, it, not everyone was mean, but it was accepted. It was a culture that was accepted. Mm. And then you'd find as, younger people started coming into the workforce, then you'd find the, the nice girls. And, you know, the people that I grew up with in my class, so to speak, uh-huh. uh, we all talk about how we would never do the things that our bosses did. Well, um, tell me about your very first, I did this moment of a cover where you had, you had control, well, as much control as you could have. Wow. You know, I'm, it was definitely a glamour uh, because I had they, so I left Allure and I went to work at Glamour as like a junior stylist. Okay. And I was doing, um, we did a lot of celebrity portfolios. So I would go out to LA for like a month and just, they would send me uh, trunks of clothes and they'd be like, you have to shoot all the young actors. Oh. And it was great because, you know, I would just stay in LA for a month and they would set up the bookings and um, I would just get new clothes in and, met a lot of young actresses then and then once i showed i could do young actresses they started giving me covers nice um and they gave me a lot of model covers i think i did my first j-lo cover there which was amazing i mean when you work with jennifer lopez it is she's such a pro and she's just you know she teaches you things about positioning the body and um, the work ethic and, and things like that. So I'd say my, my JLo cover was probably the biggest moment, you know, where you're like, this is a major person. Yeah. I've got to have all my ducks in a row. Um, you know, the rider has to be on point. At that point, it was all white roses she had to have in the, in the dressing room and oh. a certain kind of candle, certain kind of food. I forget what it was. But, you know, as the editor, like what I always thought when I'm doing a shoot, and it's not like this in, in the business world. It's not like this in advertising. But when you work in a magazine, it's a very small crew back then. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I always thought of myself as the hostess of the shoot. Absolutely. I, I, it's, I'm hiring all the crew. Right. I'm essentially the boss. However, I also have to be the cheerleader. I have to work with the team. 
it, it really taught me a lot about managing and relationships and getting the best out of a creative people. And, you know, creative people can be prickly. Uh-huh. So, um, as, as an understatement, right? Yes, it really is. <laughs> so I think, you know, just learning how to, how to work with the team and really get the best work out of people. Right. That, that's what a cover shoot is. What you guys see at the end, I mean, that's just like the afterthought, oh, you know, absolutely. so much goes into that. Well, I used to go, I went on a lot of cover shoots and I also felt that role of being the host and, and making sure that the publicists are happy. That was always the most challenging part of, for me, being on set of a cover shoot. And then I would let you, Mm -hmm. the fabulous, you know, Michelle be able to handle, you know, the creative side. And it's, you know, it really is teamwork. And I don't think that people realize how much, how sometimes not everyone's on the team. You know, yeah. some people are not, are not being helpful. They're actually being quite unhelpful. Yes. So many times. <laughs> and then, then I think about, it, I'm like, well, why, if you didn't like what we were doing, the concept, then why did you come to the shoot? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, this is the interesting part about if you, if things are, are going well, you, you adapt, you know, like the person comes in, how many times let's talk about, um, uh, if you can name names, I'd love it. If you don't, I understand. But those moments where you've brought in the rack of clothes, and even though it's been accepted by everybody, that all the boxes have been checked, the talent walks in and loses their mind. Yeah. The, thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, this has not happened to me very often. But okay. let me tell you, when it does, as an editor who's worked on pulling the right clothes for about a month, right. And, you know, gone over the concept and, and what it's going to be. And, you know, we, I had this one shoot and I'll, I will name names. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm sure she's grown up since now, but uh, it was Blake Lively. She was just on Gossip Girl. It was, you know, her time to shine, uh, the beginning of her career. And I often find that when actresses are in the beginning, they're, um, they want to prove themselves. And, and sometimes they're, they're all amped up. You know, they're all amped up. They, they really um, haven't had a lot of experience. So we get on set. And now at Cosmo, we always try to appeal to the every girl, right? Right. So we were never going to show really high fashion that was geared towards an older woman. That, that wasn't right. my magazine. It, you know, it wasn't my edict. It wasn't my assignment. So we always did approachable but sexy. So I remember I wanted her to wear um, a dress that wasn't a major designer. You know, it's like a young American designer. I don't remember who it was. But she's like, Michelle, I can't wear that. (laughs) Carl Lagerfeld said I'm a fashion icon. (laughs) And I'm sitting there and I'm like, what? (laughs) She she predicted correctly. She became a fashion icon. But how old was she? 20? I have no idea. I have no idea. And I, and I remember thinking, wow. Okay. And, and, and she, and it was like, nothing was working. Like she didn't want to wear anything. Right. So I get on the phone with my boss and Kate White at the time, who she's amazing. She was, she was a a great mentor to me. Oh, I can't Um, wait about her. And I worked for her for 10 years. And so she gets on the phone and she goes, Michelle, F her, F it walk off. We don't need her. We don't need her. Like she, she, because I was honest with her, you know, I wasn't the type of editor that'd be like, it's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. Because you know what? It wasn't fine. Right. So I just was being honest. And then I was like, Oh no, it's okay. Uh, we're going to make it work. Don't worry. Um, we're going to find something. We ended up shooting her in a white tank top with black high-waisted like menswear pants. And it was, that was the cover, right? I guess. I think that was, yeah, I remember that image. And it was so boring, but whatever. Uh, You know, we made it work and and I'm sure it sold really well. Let's talk about circulation with Cosmo. So the years that you were working there, Cosmopolitan was the biggest magazine practically in the world. I mean, with the international titles as well. But, you know, we, everyone working at every other magazine was chasing your numbers. We wanted, you know, and it was always comparable. Well, she, you know, she might do Cosmo, which uh, elevated every 
celebrity to, to everyone else for that. Do you remember the biggest selling cover that you did? Yes. It was always Kim Kardashian. Oh, well, there you go. Even, I don't remember what years, but even like 2012, maybe 2014, 2000, um, was it was your last cover for Cosmo Kim Kardashian. Yes. I know and that I remember that picture. It was a great, it great was, image. Thank you. I was so proud of that cover. And at the yeah. time I was getting kicked out of Cosmo. So yeah, I tell, was part, okay. So talk about let, that? Me, <laughs> let me explain the creative, uh, another minefield we have in magazines uh -huh. is when there, and I had survived so many of these, but there's no job security in magazines, nope. especially when you're on the creative side. Nope. So when, when, the magazine's not doing well or for whatever reason the powers that be the president of hearst or conde or, or whatever when they change the editor-in-chief many times the top of the masthead also needs to change Gone. and that and that is just a way of life right so the higher you are the closer you are to the chopping block if your boss gets the axe or if it's time for her to retire or if she's phasing out or, or whatever happens. So I was, you know, the fashion director at Cosmo and I got a new boss. Now she was like, Oh no, Michelle, I know you. It's great. You know, don't worry. I know you, you know, you don't need to come to the meetings. And little by little, I started getting iced out. Oh, wow. And I had known this. I mean, I had worked in magazines for 20 years at, at that point. But I was staying because I knew I had, had worked there and I knew that I was going to get a great severance and I needed that severance to start my new life, right? To do whatever I was going to do next. So it was about a period of four months, I would say. And I was interviewing, this is the dot-com craze. Uh, I interviewed at Stitch Fix. I interviewed at Amazon. I interviewed, I was like, I'm going to do dot-com. I can't wait. And everyone was interested in me because, you know, I had worked for the highest selling magazine in the country. So I was kind of biding my time and then she was kind of waiting for me to quit. And then I was getting iced out and then she was being really mean. Aww. And I just remember saying when we were, uh, when we were at that cover and she actually came to that cover and I said, this is going to be your highest selling cover. Don't just, just don't give me any comments <laughs> very respectfully. But I was like, I've got this, this is going to be your number one. And it was, and that was my parting gift. <laughs> of course it was. It was so, it was a great parting gift. And the Kardashians always sold well. No one wanted to put them on because they were cheap or considered yep. cheap for a yep. fashion magazine. And then, and now they still get covers. Especially I, I remember being at a party in the Hamptons with all, with, let's see, it was uh, Chris uh, and the three girls. And she was, she had found out, we had been introduced, like Michelle's a fashion director at Cosmo, and she was on me like white on rice. I mean, she was trying to get, we'll do anything, we'll do a triple, you know, and she was just really negotiating. And I remember being like, oh yeah, no, we'll think about it. And we did, we were so reluctant to put them on for a long time. And, and, and Cosmo was one of the first to actually do it. So um, that is just, you know, talk about a blockbuster career right there all of them <laughs> i want to talk about a specific cover that we both worked on together i was at the shoot i it was in la very rarely do i get to go to um after after a while they started not letting me go to the photo shoots but i had another reason to be there so i but i was sick and i it was the sharon stone cover mm -hmm. and oh, that was a fun one that was an interesting cover, but we, I'm going to put this, this, all of the covers that we're talking about, by the way, are going to be up on under the covers with Claire, um, Instagram. And if you want to see exactly what we're talking about, um, please go to that. It's a, it's a fun way to listen to the podcast as well, but the Sharon Stone one, I've put it up before. It was our biggest selling cover at shape yep. for, uh, we were at that time where things were, you know, things were still, they were getting shaky in terms of numbers, but we did Sharon and I thought it was because she was, I don't know, what was she, 56 when we did that cover? Yep, she was, yep, I remember. Uh, what she was, was your 56. experience? Um, how did you like working with Sharon? Um, I had worked with her when I was an assistant uh, at Allure and okay. she was, you know, 
she's not sample size. She, and back then she was more shapely. So she was the full size eight. Wow. Sounds so we had to have clothes made and, and it was like, you know, she was very demanding. We had to have all these clothes made. So, you know, fast forward probably 10 or 15 years to our shape cover. And she was the same demanding person, but her body had completely changed, wow. you know, and as she said, she's a gym rat. And, she, you know, she, I thought she looked incredible. She I didn't she connect did with everybody on the set. It was, it was Sharon's show, uh, you know, and I, I can't remember specifically, but I remember like a lot of, okay, just relax, just relax, let's get her at another look. Oh, I remember she loved the dress. She loved one dress and I don't think we ended up using it. And the photographer didn't like it. And she's like, well, I don't care if he doesn't like it. I want to shoot it. And I was like, just shoot it, just shoot it. <laughs> Under my breath. <laughs> I, um, I know our, our creative director at that time was Joe, um, Joe Huron. Yes, yes, Joe, yep. So he told me, I didn't see this happen, but you know, of course, everyone's always looking for Sharon Stone to do a crotch shot because of her right, famous right. crotch shot in, um, in her movie. Um, and, you know, we're going around, we're trying to figure it out. And all of a sudden, didn't she just say, let's try this. And she squatted down and put her leg out and did that. It was sort of a Sharon it moment. And it was really we, what she was that? trying to do was now I had come from Cosmo. And shape was very much athletic at the time. They, I think they brought me into style because they wanted something that was a little bit more fashion or a little bit more Cosmo. It was sexy, whatever. Sexy, yeah. So I put her in these shoes and they're lace up and they are like a little shoe boot. Um, and she was wearing this mesh uh, cardigan with a bikini underneath. And she loved the shoes. I loved them too. Like, I really want to show these shoes. And so she just kind of came up with that pose. Yeah. And, and it's, it's iconic. Know, it's an it's, iconic cover when I, I never, I will never forget seeing that cover for the first time. Yeah, it really is. It, it stands the test of time. That's for sure. So do you want to share now you've shared like your worst cover experience, which was with the lovely Blake Lively, who we all adore, but she was just young at the time. Any other, like, did, do you remember your most favorite shoot or another another moment that just was sort of insane well uh i i always like working with musicians it's different between mu musicians and actors right um musicians i feel like really shape their image um it's a harder job as a stylist because you have to work with what this image that they've already created Right. Um, and actors are used to having a script and used, used to being like, okay, we're going to do you as, you know, a 1950s ingenue. And they're like, okay, whatever. And, you know, some of them don't even care. Some of them don't even look at the cover. Um, <laughs> but with musicians, it's always a lot of prep. And again, I just really enjoyed working with Jennifer Lopez and Beyonce. I'd have to say would be my two favorite collaborations of my um, cover career. And Jennifer Lopez, the, the first time I worked with her was on Glamour. The second time was at Cosmo. And I wanted to do her like a young Raquel Welsh. And I just thought, you know, we would put in extensions. She had that great body. She had just married Mark Anthony at the time. Wow. And we were shooting um, at the photographer's house. And they were super in love. And I was in the bathroom and she was going to the bathroom and she was naked the whole time. And then Mark <laughs> Anthony comes in with the camera and I'm also in the bathroom. And I was like, this is so weird. <laughs> I'm like, do I leave? But I'm, the, I'm actually telling her what to put on next and giving her the clothes. So I just remember them being really in love. And, you know, I, I thought it was weird, but I thought it was cute. Anyway, so she we stayed and we shot till about 11 o'clock at night. Wow. Because she loved the idea of being Raquel Welsh. And she loved the idea of like doing a little hippie thing. And we did a lot of Cavalli and um, Miss Sony. And I think the cover dress was pink, uh, very low. And I think it was Versace. But um, when we did covers back then, you would do three cover tries. So you oh, had right. three outfits you had to decide and you'd shoot all of them. 
And then after the cover tries, then you'd go into what we called the conceptual part of the shoot. And that was what would run in the well. So for the well part of the shoot, she was just like, she didn't want to stop. And as she was feeling her body and she was feeling sexy and she was in love and, you know, it was just like the, a great combination of, of so many things. And she does this thing called Barbie foot where to make her leg look good in a picture, she points her, her foot to, you know, like how Barbie's feet are. Right. You know, so we say a, a shorthand when you're shooting with her is, oh, Barbie foot, Barbie foot, because if she forgets to do Barbie foot, you know, she wants to, her legs to look good. So you got to remind her every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That is, that is such a great insidery stylist story. Oh, yeah. I have so really... many of those. <laughs> um, so... So your last cover that you shot was the was the Kim Kardashian one. Oh, for for Cosmo, and then you did a bunch of shoots for Shape. And were there other magazines that you were uh, freelancing at? No, not really. I was really trying to build my McCool style business, so I was okay. concentrated on that. And and then once I wasn't affiliated with a magazine, I just didn't. The freelance styling thing just didn't work for me, right? Because I like to kind of be in control from A to Z and. It just wasn't that. So um, so, I, so I didn't want to do it. So, so I created this um, McCool Style, which is a luxury personal styling website. And I started it because I had all the moms at school saying, what are the cool jeans to wear? What should I wear? You know, I was always the fashion mom right. in my group. And they said, I was meeting with a, a friend who works at a very successful hedge fund. She's like number two. And she invests in a bunch of startups and things like that. And she said, Michelle, why don't you just make the company what you do for me, but do it for everybody else? And I said, I, I do want to do that because I, I am a big believer in mood boards, you know, obviously right. as a stylist, but I created a mood board saying, okay, I worked at one job for 20 years, basically one career for 20 years. What do I want now? Do I want to work with celebrities? I said, no, because I had tiny children. And I didn't want to be away from them. Mm. And when you work on a celebrity's, you know, uh, schedule, forget about it. And I said, so I really drilled down and I, and I had time and made these poster boards and, and put index cards on them. And I said, what do I love about my job? What do I hate about my job? And what's happening on the horizon? So I said, I don't like working with celebrities, much to the chagrin of any agent that wanted to hire me as a freelancer. Um, and I love the message of women's empowerment towards magazines through right. magazines. So I loved kind of when I was at Cosmo being able to tell people, okay, these are the trends. This is what you need to wear. If you have a big butt, wear this pant. If you have a small butt, wear this pant. I loved that. I loved the service aspect. So, um, you know, I whittled it down to, and then one of it was, do you want to write a book? Um, one, one index card. I just put all the wild things I'd ever thought of doing. Mm -hmm. And I whittled it down and kind of created this company that styles very successful women, um, whether they're successful stay-at-home moms or successful CEOs, but, you know, women that know that they need to look good, I really give them the tools to do it. Um, and it's been really rewarding to me and I, I love doing it. Was it mostly word of mouth when you first started and now how, how are people finding you in terms of um, hiring you? Yes. Well, I had a few um, big breaks and one of them was uh, Anna Winter's office recommended me to a lot of kind of women in New York who were in Anna's world in some way. Um, right. So I got a lot of great clients that way. That's and very, that's another, there's the girlfriend network. There's the um, magazine girl sorority helping each other out right there. <laughs> Uh, so that was big. And then word of mouth. And, and, you know, when you start a company, it's all about client acquisition. Right. So um, now that I have all the metrics, everything's kind of on my um, computer systems. And during COVID, we had 200% new client acquisition. So, you know, even though wow. we're in a crisis, it went, it's, it's been good. It's, we have new clients. So that's great. That's incredible. And you, I, I noticed, I went on your um, Instagram. Um, is it um, McCool Style? Yeah. Instagram is McCool Style. Okay. Uh, M-C-C-O-O-L Style. Awesome. 
I, I started following you uh, recently knowing that I was going to see you and I was um, scrolling through and I saw this fantastic one where you're, you're wearing this adorable little um, terry cloth or some jumpsuit or um, it's like a sweat. A, I don't know. I yes. Don't know what it's a velour do. jumpsuit that I've just discovered the other day. And of course, when I get something new, I rip off the tags and I have to wear it right away. I don't right. care if it's appropriate for where I'm going or not, but I'm like, that's how excited I get about things. <laughs> I love that you are your own model. Like you, you, you look fantastic in all the clothes. You're so enthusiastic about what you're wearing. Obviously, um, it's just it's such a good it's such a good fit. Did you ever think that you would be your own model? Oh my gosh, never. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? I never. But you know what? I realized that most all of, most of my clients are forty plus. Right. So I feel like. Well, when I, when I started the company, I have a small shop on there. So you can just buy directly from there too. But um, when I would show the model version and then my friends would be like, but show me how it looks on you uh -huh. because I know it's going to look good on her, but I want to <laughs> see what it looks like on a real body. So then I started just putting it on myself and I thought, and then I, I give people tips. I say, you know, if, you know, if my body, I tend to have a bigger waist. So I'm like, okay, you girls with a good, with a small waist, you'll look better in this than I look, but you know, now you can kind of see what's happening. Yeah. With this garment. And then, um, you know, when I do my style drops, which is the biggest service I have and I send those out and like today I'm sending them out and I try on everything before I send it out because I want to make sure that I have my client in mind and I think, okay, if this fits me like this, how is it going to fit her? So, right. um, you know, I really do the, the behind the scenes research and only send out the best stuff. I wanted styling to be accessible to everybody. So I created a style drop and it's the most popular service on my site and it's $95 and you buy it on the site and then we give you a questionnaire that really drills down and to find out what your style is and what you want to look like. And then we send you out clothing catered just for you. I want that. Do it. Do it. <laughs> That's amazing. What a great idea. You, you really just, you really just Thank made you. this into such a great company. Um, I want to wrap up talking about when, what else I noticed on your, on, on your Instagram was that you would post job opportunities or intern opportunities with your company. Yeah. And I know that mentoring is really important to you. How's that working? What, what's going on with your company in terms of mentoring uh, young women? Yes. I really enjoy working with young women and men. Um, and they, they come to, it's funny. I, I'm like a gateway to the fashion industry amongst young New York City transplants. Uh, so I started getting freelance help, obviously, as the company was growing. And at first it was unpaid and now it's paid. But I really like to foster women who want to get started in fashion, kind of don't know what to do and, and don't know how to navigate this industry, which is really about who you know. I mean, I don't know any industry that's not about who you know. Exactly. Um, but what I do is if someone works really well with me, and it's grunt work. It's nothing glamorous. You know, they're unpacking boxes, they're hanging up clothes, all of that, messengers. Um, but if you do a great job for me, and if, and if I think that you're a motivated person, I will find you a great job. Yeah. And the one thing I have, what I lack in glamorous office space is I have all my relationships still. Yeah. And, you know, my friends are, are running the fashion industry right now. So if I really believe in somebody, I just, I send out an email and I don't do it often, but I send out an email. I said, I have a great woman over here. Or I have a great guy for you. Um, and sometimes it's not even fashion. Sometimes they're interested in party planning or interior design, but because of my network, I can reach out and, and just shoot them an email. And, and I, and when I was hiring people, it meant so much to me to get a referral from someone I trusted. Absolutely. So I, I think that's, you know, how it works. And um, it's really important to mentor and, and to, to show people how it's done. I mean, I'll even say, I'll dictate what the email should say. And, and, you know, and I'll be like, okay, you got the offer letter. Okay. What does it say? 
well, you don't have room for negotiating. So take the 10,000 less, but this is the better job. Like I really get in there with it. That's amazing. <laughs> Good for you. Can you work with me? Yes. <laughs> There's no age discrimination. At McCool style, there's no age discrimination. <laughs> In fact, I think that, you know, for a while, right before when magazines were going down, it was like the older women that had been working in magazines for 30 years, you know, and being cast aside because of age or, you know, whatever ageist yeah. uh, reason. And it's like, I love magazines. I will do anything to stay in magazines. And if someone said, would you do this? And it would, could lead to that. Of course I would do that. Yeah. When you love, when you're passionate about, you know, the field that you're in or the industry, it, it people will do almost anything to stay in it. I think. Yeah. And, and like yeah. you with the podcast, I mean, this right. is great. You know, it's a great way to, to use your skills in a totally different medium. I'm having the best time doing this. And I am so incredibly grateful that you um, agreed to talk to me because I always um, remembered working with you as, and you were such a delightful person to work with on set, especially. Um, I always felt like everybody was in a better mood because of you. Uh You're just lovely. You're just a lovely person to work with. And um, having you be you know, I feel like you're part of my tribe and I'm, and I'm very grateful for that. Yes. And you as well, you as well. <laughs> um, I think that we're going to wrap this up. So this is Claire Connors and thank you, Michelle McCool again for joining me today. It's been such a delight and I will see all of you next time on under the covers with Claire Connors on jasoncharles.net podcast network. You've been listening to Under the Covers with Claire Connors on jasoncharles.net. For more information about Claire Connors, a.k.a. Claire the Celebrity Booker, go to Claire the Celebrity Booker on Instagram. Oh, I didn't know this would be out this month. jasoncharles.net Deep talk, deep sounds. That was so deep.